Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Uh, Sorry, this episode is a bit later in getting to you than normal. Zach, Jared, and I were all in Ontario last night, and between the delays in the game and the drive home, well, we decided recording this morning rather than last night was just going to be a lot easier. Then, as it often does, life found a way to delay me around midday. So this is reaching your ears Thursday evening instead of Thursday morning. Monday, we'll be back on track and back on schedule with Jack Han and more training camp updates. But for today, here's a recap of the inaugural Empire Classic. All right, we're here to talk about the Empire Classic. Joining me to do so, two guys that were at the game with me, Zach Dooley. Sorry, Jared Shaffron. How are you doing today, Jared? I'm <laughs> great, Jesse. And featuring Zach hey, Dooley. there it is. How are you doing, Zach? Jesse, I'm doing great. All right, good. Um, listen, full disclosure, I spent a lot of the second period and much of the early third period running around trying to figure out what was going on with the iHeart feed. Apologies to anybody that was trying to listen to that. So, um, I'm going to lean on you guys pretty heavily here, but we'll just start with the goal that I did not see. Um, Zach, what happened on that goal? That okay, I, I, I did see the goal. I, Good. Excellent. You know, I, I admittedly had more more personal conversations during the game, um, being back in Ontario, sure. than I usually would at a game. But I did see the goal. Um, it was a power play goal uh, for the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. That's uh, nice. That's yep. good. Um, Byfield started the play, uh, worked it into the offensive end. Uh, fed Gabe Velarde down below. Velarde stationed below the goal line uh, where we saw him uh, during practice the other day. Mm-hmm. Made his way around the net. Fed Carl Grundstrom in front. Grundstrom finished top shelf. Um, nice pass by Velarde. Nice finish by Carl Grundstrom. Um, it was a nice passing play for sure. Um, the Kings probably had a better chance like 30 seconds before. Scramble in front. Uh, Clark fed Byfield. Pass at the skate instead of the stick. Would have been a goal for sure. Um, it was also a very contested pass. So two great sequences on that power play, uh, which might have been the highlight of the night was was that sequence. Not that it necessarily matters, but I'm going to ask you to paint the picture a little bit more. Was R- Velarde down on the right side on the power play? Uh, yes, the pass was from the right. Well, I guess it depends. I have the beholder. He sure. Was, he was, if you're the goalie, he was to the goalie's right. Okay. So I guess that's the left from an off, but he was also facing... And was Grundstrom like net front or like bumper mid, or mid slot? Mid slot. Okay. Mid slot. Okay. Um, I don't think there was a net front guy between him and the net. I think he was like crashing down, and he was in that mid slot area. Uh, it, was a, it was a nice passing play for sure. Um, and Velarde, I think, was kind of where we saw him position mm-hmm. the other day. Made that pass that we've seen them work on a little bit, and it was, it was a nice goal. All right, great, Shaf. Um, other than the goal, anything that uh, stood out to you? Any big plays? I think 
you know, there was a lot of like spots where guys look good. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, I think it was a not a very consistent performance. I think it was hard for anyone to have a consistent performance, considering there's some delays. Um, the ice clearly was was not at its best, and, and Todd mentioned that after the game. Yeah, it wasn't the best night for ice conditions or obviously the glass, the momentum of the game, even the ability to evaluate it, but it still meant something to us to come here, and that's, uh, you know, we can bitch and whine all we want. It's important that we did that. You know, I thought in spurts there was some really good pressure. I think, you know, it was telling to me that, LA had an 11 to 5 shot advantage in the first period and again I know the first period was kind of broken up but I thought that the Kings controlled play. Uh the only goal they had allowed early in the game was penalty kill. Uh Samuel Helanius was was in the box and it was a really quick play for San Jose and so you know I think again something Todd has said here is Look, the, the special teams is a work in progress. You don't start working on the special teams the first day of training camp. Mm-hmm. It comes later. So it's kind of you throw some of that out the window. And so when you do just look at five-on-five play in the first part of the game, I thought the Kings were really good. And there was a few times to me that Quentin Byfield stuck out as just like someone who can take over, starting to learn when those spots are. And like there was this one play I remember I was standing up behind Zach, and he was just like galloping up the ice, flying past people. And so, Good word. Yeah, that – He was galloping. That stuck out to me because – you know, if he can consistently do something like that, obviously he's not going to do that every shift, but those are the types of, of talent and tools that people have been looking to see from him. And we definitely saw it at, at times last night. I've said this before, but I think last night was a quintessential example of, <laughs> ah. uh, of, of this happening. Um, I've said before, like what everybody who's talking about Quentin Byfield is saying the same thing. It's just a question of what order they say it and where they put the emphasis. And last night, like I said, was a perfect example of it. He looked great, but he didn't score. Well, he had an assist. Yeah, no, for sure. But so but if you score sheet. but there are people who are like, well, he didn't score. He like, did okay, have a he couple looked great, great chances he, no, too. He, like, he looked like let's no. be clear, he looked great. You know, it's uh, honestly one of your best things that you've said mm-hmm. because it's it's really spot on. Like I thought his explosion and his skating were really good. It just didn't amount to much in terms of offensive production. The, the assist in the power play, he was on the score sheet for sure. Um, and but a lot of those plays that he made, it was like, oh, Q looks great. Like yeah. the way that he's skating, um, I thought he had a lot of burst, a lot of explosion. It just didn't translate into an even strength goal last night. And it's how you spin it as you eloquently phrased it. I don't have a ton of friends in the industry. I don't have a ton of friends in general. Boohoo. Um, that's not true. I've got loads of friends. Um, but, uh, <laughs> nah, just kidding. I'm but, really popular. <laughs> but, but one of my friends in the industry called me this morning and said, how was the game? What'd you think? How was Byfield? Blah, blah, blah. And the phrase that I sort of came up with was, he looked like an NHL player to me, right? Like Kopitar didn't score in his game. Dowdy didn't score. You know, Fiala scored, but Kempe, well, I guess Kempe did score. Kempe did score. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the list of guys that didn't score in every preseason game around the league is significantly longer than the list of guys that did score. So I'm not going to freak out that he didn't. He looked like an absolutely competent NHL player to me last night. And I've mentioned this, I'm not, I don't think on the podcast before, but certainly to you, Zach, like last season during training camp and preseason, I saw Alex Edler and I was terrified. I was like, oh no, this man doesn't have any career left in his body. 
Like he is, he is done. We've made a terrible, terrible mistake. And then during the regular season, as soon as the regular season started, he was at at the very least our most consistent defenseman. You know, until his injury, he was strolling it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I am really not going to stress about those kinds of results. But Shaf, you mentioned the special teams. Um, we did see them begin to work on the power play this week, but everything I've heard from the various players that I've talked to. Zach makes it sound like they haven't really started addressing penalty kill yet. Yeah, it seems like it's it's concepts and it's drawings on the board and it's video and things like that. But we haven't seen an on ice penalty kill session. And they, they have started working on the power play, but we haven't seen the power play together. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen right. like the half top the guys yeah. on one group, half the guys in the other group and all 10 guys who played on the power play. First units between the last two preseason games will probably play on the power play, but we haven't seen those guys together yet. So, yeah, it sounds like it's it's obviously early in the process, and it, you don't work on special teams when you have sixty five guys in camp. You work on it when you have your NHL group, and you're not phasing out fifty of those sixty five guys. And I think that's kind of how the Kings have always approached it. And preach patience in game three of the preseason. I mean, that's the irony, right? Is that is that there isn't any real reason not to be patient, right. and yet there is not. We're also turning yeah. around every day and going like twelve days away until the season, guys. <laughs> get hyped, and then you get hyped, and you're like, catch twenty two. Yeah, it is. Um, Jared, the <laughs> I want to uh, for any fans who might have been listening to the game or paying attention to training camp who weren't aware of Jacob Doty before last night. Um, he <laughs> dislodged two panes of glass all by himself. <laughs> Um, and he is a scary man, is he not? Yeah, oh, he is. Uh, he also, yeah, he just lost two planes of glass, and he also, like, absolutely crushed. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Jeffrey Vile. Uh, he, I mean, that was just an unbelievable hit. But, uh, you know, I think good for Dotes, too. Like, he, that was his second preseason appearance. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the token preseason appearance. He, he got into a second game. He Definitely uh, got himself on the score sheet, made himself known. And like you said, if anyone was watching that game, you're definitely aware of, of his presence out there. And, um, you know, he's someone that the Rain really enjoy having on their roster for, for multiple reasons. He's great uh, as a leader in the locker room. He's been around pro hockey for a long time. And uh, he, he definitely understands, you know, what, what guys need to do to get ready for a game. So he's a, a really good good team guy. I feel like 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, He'd have a, a contra- an NHL contract just based on his right hook. Potentially, yeah. I, I mean, I think he's definitely – the fighting prowess is definitely there. Um, you know, I think – and two, there's been a few times in the preseason when he has been with, uh, you know, some of these NHL guys. And, like, he looks okay. He doesn't look out of place in practice. Not at all. I, I would say there's a few times he was carrying the puck last night that – that he lost it, but you could say that for Trevor Moore. You could say that for a lot of guys last night. So uh, I don't know that anyone was was evaluating the, the puck carrying skills, but you know I think no for for Dotes, uh, he's definitely someone that the Rain love having in their lineup, and you know he's going to be a staple for them moving forward. Last night there were some very nice moments, and both of you guys have worked in Ontario. Matt Valalta gets the start. Matt Roy, who played in Ontario, was back. Gabe Velarde, who played in Ontario, was back. Jacob Doty. Um, I'm blanking on any other guys. That Samuel Fagimo was that's right. also yeah, in the starting lineup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aiden Dudas. That's uh, right, yes. Quentin Byfield for uh, Carl Grundstrom. Carl Grundstrom. Did Toby Byfield Bjornfoot. play in Yeah, Ontario? Byfield was there last year. Oh, yeah. that's right, of course. Yeah. Toby played a full year there. Um, Carl played 
good handful of games. Yeah, yeah. a lot of Mobarara. Like, I think, and I feel like the fans gave them, you know, additional, so like, you know, when Valalta's name was announced, right? Like, I heard some extra cheers. Yeah. And I, I talked to, to Matty V after the game, and he was, it meant something to him that his first NHL start and his first full game played in an NHL preseason game was in Ontario. All right, so let's update training camp. We talked about the, the uh, I won't keep wanting to call it the Winter Classic. We talked about the Empire Classic. Um, Jesse, it was like 102. It's the opposite yeah, no, of Winter. They play that game outside. We're yeah. playing was, in rollerblades. It was 100. Now, full confession, I got to Ontario about six hours before the game, or five hours before the game. But it was 102 degrees when I parked. So Yeah, it was. I, I saw it hit 103 on the highway. Uh, the car said 100 and I think 100 even when I parked. Yeah. My phone said 99, but mm-hmm. always go with the higher number yeah. for dramatic effect. Well, I just trust my car more than my phone. My car has let me down far fewer times <laughs> than my phone has. So. Uh, but let's talk. So they sent, they've basically at this point sent everybody other than Brant Clark who can be to the OHL. Do I have that right? Yep, I believe so. And at this point, everybody left in camp other than Cameron Suprika, I believe, is still here, Jared. Yeah, he is. Um, other than that, I think everybody in camp has a con- has a either a contract with the Rain or the Kings. Well, yeah, Nate Thompson's a PTO. A PTO, so thank you. Yeah, I guess that's the only other one. But yeah, I think you're right. Everybody else is is pretty much locked into a contract with this organization. Um, you know, some guys who are in Kings camp at this point are still on an AHL contract. Mm-hmm. A guy like Cameron Gauntz or Alan Quine, but. Um, the Kings probably will be making some moves in the next 24 to 48 hours. So by the time even you listen to this, that might be outdated. Yeah, there's a game on Sunday, and then rain camp begins next week, correct? Yeah, rain camp starts on Monday. Okay. So th- th- obviously there's got to be a good group of, of players. Right. Now the rain do have some players that are on AHL contracts that were not in NHL camp. So there are a few other guys, uh, Nikita Pavlichev, I believe, just arrived, starting to get ready for for AHL camp. Christian Casestool is is also on an AHL deal. Joe Gattenby, Alex Irulo, those guys are on AHL contracts, but weren't in NHL camp. So those guys will be part of the Rain roster on Monday. Now, both of you guys have worked at multiple levels. So, what's like an average number of guys needed to start a camp for it to be worthwhile? AHL camp, you probably might see thirty ish. You know. At that's max, a, but a to start a camp, I think it'll probably be closer to twenty to start. I think okay. once guys start filtering down further from yeah. from the Kings, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, feel I like definitely think when you see the roster on Monday, it probably it's won't gonna be lighter be than I think. Yeah, I always feel like thirty's a lot. I my my recollection was always we got you know ten to fifteen guys from the Kings mm-hmm. plus the however many guys on HL contracts plus you know five six camp invites, and I always remember having more than like a roster to start but this year's king's camp roster also felt smaller than maybe years past uh, maybe i could be dead wrong it's been i think a lot of the three years since i've like done the roster for an nhl camp but i trust shaft more than me a lot of the guys in the nhl camp like you've talked about jesse that that obviously were, were younger they went back to junior so they're mm-hmm. not going to be on this ahl camp roster i do think once the kings get to more of where their roster is going to be on on opening night it could be more like 30 on the AHL roster. But I think while 
you know, there's a lot of battles that I think still have to yeah. take shape. I think you're looking at, you know, guys like Anderson Dolan and, you know, the guys who are looking to try to secure a spot on maybe one of those last lines. Um, I don't think they're going to get sent down just yet. They're probably going to get another, like Jad's only played in one preseason game. So those guys are going to get another chance to, to get back in the lineup. And so I think, you know, the, the AHL roster will get bumped up, but it'll start at about 20. All right. And, I mean, the Kings still have in their camp – 11 guys that could play defense 10 anyway um at least yeah, yeah. there's so, a group of 10 defensemen right now who you could make a very reasonable argument to why they would be on the opening night roster right, right. um and they can't have 10 unless they really want to right go weird <laughs> yeah, on that overnight right. roster that's right um but you know you know Jim Fox said on the last episode that if Brant Clark played the left side, they're right, he'd be starting. Um, at this point, I think the same could be said of Jordan Spence. At least for one of the two, right? Like yeah. it would be it'd certainly be a different conversation mm-hmm. um when you look at how the the shots are broken down and the distribution of skill sets. Um the Kings have more offensively gifted players on the right side for sure, and more defensively responsible players on the left side. Um, and you almost wish you could teach one of them to play the other way. Um, that's not how it works, but, um, definitely, uh, definitely a lot of players with at least similar thought processes and on the right side. Um, and I think, I think there's something to what Foxy said there. And another one that will impact, uh, Ontario's training camp potentially is who's going to play with more and to know, uh, Fogamo or Velarde. Because Doty was um, ejected from the game last night, we saw the lines shuffled, so we saw both of them playing on that line. I I don't know what what it is about the chemistry of Arvidsson, Deneau, and Moore, but I didn't. I have not yet seen either one of the any of the players playing up on that line replicate. And again, it's training camp; it's you know preseason games. But I haven't seen anything that comes close to the, what we saw with those three guys last year. Is that the chemistry of Moore and Deneau, or is that just a statement about how great Victor Arvidsson is? I would have thought it was a, a built on the back of the chemistry between Moore and Deneau. And when we've heard Todd McClellan, when he talks to the group, say that those two are a pair, right? He, he mm-hmm. talks about players being pairs. And again, this could be like an Edler last year situation where you look at it and you go, I don't get it. What's the deal? And once the season starts, bang, it changes. But... Just from what I'm seeing, I, you know, it it appears that something is well, missing. I think that we that was the first game that Deno and Moore played in the preseason, mm-hmm. and the ice was poor. Yep, uh, neither player had more than a ah. period. Ah, <laughs> well, one player had more for the full game. <laughs> yeah, and that was Trevor. But uh, neither player got more than what a period plus mm-hmm. of look on that line. Um, so it's not like they've really had the opportunity to yep. play there in a true game setting to say one way or the other, like this could work or this might not work. Um, I would imagine, and I don't know this, but the Kings have four preseason games left. Dano and Moore will probably play at least two of them. You'd like to see one of those guys, if there's one in the lead or each of those guys get a game, like play a full game there in better circumstances. Maybe the team plays a little better. It's a little less disjointed and then see. And yeah. if, and if you still have those impressions after that, then that's when okay maybe that's when you reconsider. Yeah, I mean none of my none of these are are concerns. Like you know, it is 
I imagine that even even if you said, okay, Sammy Fagamo is going to be in the opening night lineup on game one with Morin Deneau, mm-hmm. it's like the starting goalie. I wouldn't necessarily expect that to be the case on game two because we won't know until we actually see how game one looks. Yeah, yeah. Real, real live regular season um, action because Vegas Golden Knights on game one are going to be a much different level of competition than the Anaheim Ducks in Two of the next four games? Three of the next four three, games? Yeah. Three, of the, three of the next four games? At the same point, you can go back to last year and look at just because something happened in game one against Vegas. Totally. Uh, that could change pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So even though the Kings had a great opener last year, they then struggled for a few games. So, uh, you know, it's it's hard to assess. I just, you know, I'm trying to give Victor Arvidsson some credit here. Like hey, He's great. I think I, that, you know, you can't just expect anybody to come right. in and just replicate what he does because, first of all, those guys don't play like he does. But – also, like, he's a 30-goal scorer in the NHL for a reason. I think, you know, none of those other guys, Fagimos only played four games. Velarde obviously has struggled to score when he's gotten opportunities at the NHL level. So it's great to give him a shot, but, you know, I hope it works out. But yeah, I also think, you know, the big thing for me is Victor Arvidsson, one of the best players on this team. No question. And has been skating mm-hmm. uh, before uh, regular camp hits the ice and was joined this week by Alex Turcotte. Which was a nice surprise. Yeah, saw the two of them out there. Um, I don't usually watch the individual drills because they're kind of boring, but it's just a good sign to see. You know, obviously both those players are progressing. Um, everything has sounded like Arvidsson's timeline has not. He hasn't. His recovery has not veered from the timeline, which is good. Um, you have to assume he'll join the main group in some capacity soon. Um, and also Sean Dursey has progressed. You know, he went from a red non-contact for the first six days to a, a black regular jersey yesterday. So guys who started camp in one boat have now progressed, all three of them. Um, that's a good thing. Yeah, and again, those four games that remain on the preseason schedule, all of them will be televised, whether on Bally Sports West or Bally Sports SoCal. Is yeah. that the name of the yeah. station? I should know that. Two Kings broadcasts and yeah. two Ducks broadcasts. Two Ducks broadcasts, but yeah. you'll be able to see them. Yep. Uh, I don't know that there's much else to talk about at this point because it's been three or four days since we've updated camp. And other than all the OHL, WHL guys being sent down, oh, I guess is Angus in the QMGA? All the CHL players. Yeah, all the <laughs> right. CHL yeah. players. Other than those guys being assigned, as of Thursday morning, there hasn't been much else. So I think this may wind up being a very short episode unless, Zach or Shaft, there's anything you want to talk about. I think for me, the one thing we didn't really talk about too much, and Zach's written about this, so mm-hmm. definitely check out LA Kings Insider. But, you know, the emergence of, of obviously, we know that Blake Lazat and Brendan Lemieux have had chemistry, but now adding Carl Grundstrom and those three, to me, and again, small sample size, mm-hmm. but those three in their games have all stuck out to me as being some of the best players for the Kings. And Grundstrom, I know he scored the goal, so it's easy to point at that, but. He had multiple chances. He ended up with four shots on goal, tied for the team lead. I think he's been outstanding. The game that I saw in San Jose, he was probably the Kings' best player in that game. Like I And I talked to Todd about that after that first preseason game of he was a guy who was standing out in the postseason and he got mention of, hey, he really took an opportunity and ran with it. And he hasn't let up. Like He's had a great start to the preseason, so he's absolutely staking claim to to one of those spots yeah uh, i talked with all three of those guys um working on a story on that line because it's a it's probably a constant and has been throughout camp but it's the fourth line on paper 
gets less buzz than a more exciting names in the third line. Um, but Lazat and Lemieux had something pretty special last year when they were together for a large chunk of the season. And Carl Grundstrom is a very different player than Arthur Kaliev is. Um, they both are effective players, but Lazat and Lemieux seem pretty excited about how Carl has fit with them so far. He's a very direct player, uh, skates pretty well, plays pretty physical, um, works hard as those guys clearly do. Uh, and Brendan Lemieux was, was kind of gushing about the fit that he believes that that Carl could have in that line. Um, so while it's not the sexiest storyline, um, it's a pretty important one because we all saw how important that line was for the Kings last year, you know, especially until until those guys got hurt in March. The longer that I work for the team uh, in a real capacity, the more I sort of abandon some of my old fan instincts and, and attitudes. One of the ones that I would see fans talking about online that I still identified with 100% was Carl Grundstrom would have a strong stretch of games last year and then not be in the lineup. And the coaching staff would even single him out and say, it's not Carl's fault. It's not anything he's doing wrong. You know, just to, you know, other players need looks, etc. I don't know that I've seen a significant change in how Carl Grundstrom plays the game since the first game I saw him in a Kings jersey. And I can't remember how many... He, when he first came over in that trade, uh, I want to say he scored like five goals in 15 games or something like that. Yeah, after and, a nice stretch in Ontario, yeah. Yeah, and and so I'm... I mean, I just don't know why he shouldn't be great on that line. He's been a great... Well, great is too strong a word. He's been a very effective, to yeah. use your word, player. Yeah. Um, everywhere they've sent him and every time they've asked him to do anything. It's kind of the similar... Maybe it's not the same type of player, but we heard the same type of thing about Trevor Moore last year, right? Like mm-hmm. when Trevor Moore finally found a home and was able to play more minutes and, and embrace that role, everyone's like – and Todd said, he's like, well, maybe it was our fault. You know, we mm-hmm. needed to find him a partner mm-hmm. earlier. And, uh, you know, I think that's obviously, again, different type of players, but same situation where he's always had the NHL skill, but now Trevor Moore – has a role. He he can sink his teeth into that. He knows what he needs to do on a night by night basis, and he's thrived. But to me, what, what if that line stays together? And you you know kind of mentioned Zach. If it's the fourth line, then Quentin Byfield centering the third line with Alex Iafalo and Arthur Kaliev. And then you look at Dano, Trevor Moore, and whoever gets that spot on the second line. You kind of have your opening line. I mean, there's really only one spot available at this point if everything else sticks together. So that's really the the storyline. So I'm going to focus on that word if because this is a fun little thought exercise that I've enjoyed throwing at people. I'm going to throw at both of you. We'll start with you, Zach. Every year, every team has a million ifs. Yeah. You know, if everybody stays healthy, if Kevin Fiala maintains point of game, you know, production, if Adrian Kempe scores 30 goals, if the more Dano Arvidsson line recaptures their chemistry. If Byfield, I, you know, et cetera. So we all know there's a million of them. If all the ifs come through, yeah. what is the ceiling of this LA Kings team? Cup contender? I, I agree. Yeah. Um, anything can happen in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't predict what will happen then. But if all of the ifs come together, this is a team that has gone from playoff team to contender. And that's definitely a. I, I would say that pretty confidently. If all the ifs go the right way, I mean, no way that they're not in that picture. And and I want to be clear before we get to Shaft's ceiling. 
a team like Seattle, if all of their ifs pan out, maybe they get in sniffing for a playoff yeah. spot. Yeah. But like that's the gap we're talking about. So if like we said, if all the ifs go right, Chef, where do you see this team's ceiling out? I agree with Zach. I, I think that you look at the way the team ended up finishing with their overall record last year, and then you say, well, if all of that happens and we add Kevin Fiala and there's this and there's that and, you know, Cal Peterson's playing at a higher level and, you know, pushing Jonathan Quick even harder, then if all of those things happen, yeah, you got to look at well over 100 points, you know, potentially up there at the top of that. I mean, last year the Kings were challenging for the top of the Pacific Division pretty late in the season. So you'd, you'd think they'd be challenging for that again and then looking at making a deep run into the postseason. Now, the caveat is that not every if right. goes right for every team never does, ever, right? right? Like it's never happened in the history of – I mean, Colorado might be the closest – thing last year where you look at the roster and you go oh wow the oakland a's money ball team is yeah <laughs> but even like for the kings last year a lot of the ifs didn't come through mm-hmm. and they still made the playoffs right. right like drew dowdy if you said at the beginning of the year that drew dowdy would play less than 40 games right and the kings would, and they were like, gonna play 14 defensive yeah like <laughs> like a lot of the ifs on that front yeah. were injury related that mm-hmm. didn't come through um but yeah it's it's a good point because the kings probably have a wider range of ifs than a lot of other teams. There are a lot of players who have ifs. Um, but like you said, if, if a good chunk of those come in, I mean, every right to be excited. But if we're looking at the Pacific Division and we take the perfect version of each team, there's five teams in the Pacific that you could tell me. Calgary, Edmonton, LA, Vancouver, and Vegas. The Perfect, flawless versions of those five teams, in my mind, are all cup contenders. Now, we won't get those versions of those teams. You know, Anaheim, the perfect version of Anaheim, in my mind, is a solid playoff team. And then San Jose and Seattle, the perfect version of them is like, all right, well. They're pushing everybody else in the division. Yeah, but maybe they make, like, maybe. Like, they're not, you know. You've done a hard 180 on uh, Seattle. Well, from cup winner to, to <laughs> clearly missing the playoffs, yeah. 100% no lock to make the playoffs last year, last year on this podcast per Jesse uh, Cohen. And I will never forget that conversation. Yeah. Well, listen, they are what they are. Sorry to call you. And out. if uh, I recall, right. we had that conversation before the expansion draft. Probably. And you said that there is... Well, then I, that's almost defending Jesse because he's then he can argue that they made bad moves in the expansion draft with the, with the pool that they but had. But his reasoning that, was that for the amount they paid to get in the league... There is no way they will not make the playoffs. <laughs> I remember this conversation. Let's be clear. It was a disappointment that they didn't. It was. Uh, anyway. Well, everyone could tell within two weeks of the season. That this has been all happen. the Jesse Cohen, Seattle Kraken prediction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and I know I harp on it and I know that some people get tired of it. But like this team could be markedly better than it was last year and be fighting for a playoff spot in the final days of the season, if not outright out of the playoffs. And, for sure. And still be a an exponentially better team. You have to think that you get the Bruce Boudreaux version of Vancouver, mm-hmm. you get a healthier Vegas Golden Knights, and you get a Calgary team that doesn't take as big a step back as many might think. And that's five teams that could easily win the division, you know, if not be solid playoff teams. Um 
so yeah, I, I think for sure that that's, that's feasible. Yeah. I don't want to dwell too long on this because we're going to dwell on it again and again and again. So let's talk about Kevin Fiala a little bit because I said on Twitter that I don't know why I wasn't like all hyped up when they made the trade. They made the trade and I reached out to people to talk about it and we, we talked about it at length on the podcast and, you know, we analyzed it and we looked at it and, and in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, nice little player. I get it. Make trades, you get better. But like, eh, you know, it's Kevin Fiala. It's fine. And everyone was like, oh my God, Kevin Fiala. And I, was, da, 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 and I was just not into it. And then I saw him play and I, like, I am now fully on board. He's great. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Like, yeah. You can see how that guy had 30 and 80 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder maybe it, like he wasn't the sexiest player on his team. He is off the ice, but uh, <laughs> on the ice, like the highlight reels that you see out of Minnesota, nine times out of 10 are Kirill Kaprizov doing something mm-hmm. cool. But then he looks like, oh, Kevin Fiala had this amazing year. Just was, Kaprizov got all the notoriety. So it was like, you don't, you don't hear about Fiala in that star conversation or didn't. And then he got traded, and then suddenly people started to get more excited about him. I'm not sure why. Maybe, maybe that's why you weren't. I don't know. But I remember you, you were kind of like I might obviously just be a Minnesota Wild bias. I don't know. Yeah, that we, I remember we both liked the deal, mm-hmm. but you weren't stoked. And then you see him in the fit, and it's like, ah, let's go. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, Chaff, how like where's he rank on your list of guys you've seen play live? I mean, I guess you. I actually haven't seen him play live yet. Uh, (laughs) Definitely will over the next couple days. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him him on the ice. I I think that, to me, what I was most excited about was, like, the Kings found, like, they looked at their lineup, they looked at their roster, and they were like, man, we really need this one piece. Mm -hmm. And then they found, like, what seems like a perfect fit for, for that line, and... They got it, and for relatively not a crazy amount of cost. I mean, nothing off the active roster. No, right? Like nothing subtracted from the group that finished last year. But I look, just again, maybe this is not a fair comparison because he's a winger, not a center. But like, okay, Jack Eichel's had some point totals that are pretty high, and he's a someone who everyone was was going crazy about. Look what Vegas traded for him, and. Again, I don't know that it's fair to compare Fiala to Eichel. Obviously, Eichel's a superstar. Fiala could be. Uh, but look, you're, you're trading for a guy that had 80, 85 points last year. He's close, getting close to that 90-point range that maybe he might hit. And so to only give up, like Zach said, you're giving up a, a first-round pick, which is a, which is a you know lower-end first-round pick and a higher-end prospect for a guy who's an 85-point scorer. So to me, I just kind of looked at the deal and said – even if this guy only has 60 points, like this is a phenomenal deal. But if he could could replicate his performance, man, that's an absolute home run. There are some phrases that I really don't like, generally speaking, and game breaker is one of them. Everyone's like, oh, you need a game breaker. You need a game breaker. That guy's game breaker. And I always go, like, what is that even like? What is it? You but then you, you saw watch... it last year with Connor McDavid in the playoffs. Well, sure. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> it's those like are, a video you know... game term. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... Yeah. And it, and it never, right, it just means whatever you want it to mean in the moment. Yeah. But then you see the goal that Fiala scored off that pass from Brown Clark, and you see him set up Adrian Kempe in overtime, and all of a sudden, the only other player, there have been like a handful of players in the history of this team where I have gone, oh yeah, I get it, game breaker. Jeff Carter was one of them, where it's an even evenly fought game, and then all of a sudden there's a Jeff Carter shift that the other team just can't 
contend with and you go, oh, well, okay, <laughs> Jeff Carter. And then that Fiala goal, that's out of nowhere. Like, that was out of nowhere. It's kind of like what Todd said after the game. He's like, he doesn't need many opportunities. No. And that, and to be fair, like I don't even think that was an opportunity. And this is his first time ever in a Kings yeah, uniform. Right. <laughs> like this is his first go around in preseason. His first time in a line with these guys. Like it's only going to get better, you would think. But like that, his goal. So who would Grunstrom gain the zone? Who gained the zone on that? Anderson goal? Dolan started the play. Right. Fiala gained the zone himself. Give and go. Dish to Clark. Clark who dished it back. Back to Fiala. Okay. Anderson Dolan made the first pass. Okay. But when Clark fed it back to him, yep. it's not like he was in a scoring position. Well, he was in like he's in the slot. Was he? My recollection is that he was like mm. at the top of the left faceoff dot. I think he was Clark in, fade, inside the dot. No? But he toe dragged around. He pulled him into the slot. Like yeah, yeah. he was not yeah. you know, far side open net True. with the you know yeah, I mean? yeah. like he you know, and I even asked Brant Clark in the locker room, you know, did you in your mind were you playing out how that was gonna go and was that was that it? And he was like, no. <laughs> no, he's Kevin Fiala. I gave him the puck and yeah, figured he'd have time and space and to do something with it. Fiala was super complimentary of, like, Clark helped that play because he drew the defenseman in. Mm-hmm. And when I asked Fiala that, he started nodding before I finished the question, like, knowing where it was going and was like, yeah, like, he gave me that extra little bit of space. And, like, as we saw now, it's like, he only needs that extra little bit of space. He can do that. It's funny when you have guys like Clark, and and we talked about this eight years ago when the Kings acquired Marion Gabrick. Even if you know guys' reputations begin to impact the way that they're defended, right? So we saw it in the rookie classic, or I keep wanting to throw the word classic on it. <laughs> uh, we saw it on the rookie face. The rookie face winner, uh, yeah, winter <laughs> empire, empire yeah, classic. Um, but Clark had. I think three assists by going to the wall, pulling defenders, and then passing the puck into open space created by those defenders. And same thing with the Fiala play, right? Like mm-hmm. the way he plays creates room yeah. for his line mates, and that sort of thing doesn't show up. Anyway, I think we are going to wrap it up now. Um, again, four games left, all of them on TV. Zach and Jared will have continue to have updates from training camp. Um, there's a very short list of people that have been at every day of, tra- of training camp and have seen all of the scrimmages, all the practices. And uh, the three of us in this room, I think, are, the, are on the leaderboard as far as most amount of, of minutes with eyeballs on on rinks. So LAKingsInsider.com, all the Kings men, keep paying attention, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Kings fans.